are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The second chapter of the book of Ephesians, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And verse 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, which are called in the uncircumcision, but that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, and having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Our Father, bless the message tonight. Help the people to listen as though this would be the last sermon they'd ever hear, and it may be, because they will hear their last one someday. Help me to preach though, though, though this would be the last time I'd ever preach, and it may be, because one of these days I will, and help me to preach tonight as though I was a dying man to dying men, because I ask it tonight in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. The scripture I just read to you, my friends, is a description of the Ephesian Christians before they were saved. I want to call your attention tonight to just two little words that comes to us out of the dark background of this picture. And those two words are these, no hope. Perhaps there are no words in the English language that have a more dreadful meaning than those two words. Doctor stands beside the bed upon which is a sick man finger upon the sick man's pulse, and anxiously the family awaits the verdict. And finally he looks up and said, prepare for the worst. There is no hope. There is no hope. Now those are dark words in connection that I just used them. But they're darker still in the connection that you find them in this text tonight. Far better had a man be without anything else in this world than to be without hope for a future life. He may be in great present prosperity, but if he has no hope for the future, that amounts to but little. He may be in great present distress, but if he has a sure hope for the future, that amounts to but little. I want to talk to you tonight about three people that I shall mention that have no hope. They stand absolutely without hope, and before I tell you who they are, it might be well for us to explain what we mean by the word hope. We use the word hope in a very careless way. God always uses it with the greatest of care. Desire, no matter how strong that desire may be, is not hope. Mere expectation is not hope. Hope, according to the word of God, is the well-founded, well-grounded expectation for the future. Who is it tonight that has no well-grounded, well-founded expectation for the future? Number one. The man who doubts or denies the existence of God stands without any hope. Second, the man who denies the Bible as the word of God stands without any hope. And third, the man who does not accept the Christ that the Bible presents tonight stands without any hope. May I go back to the first one? I said the man who, who doubts or denies the existence of God stands without any hope because man's only rational hope for a future life rests upon the existence of an intelligent, omnipotent, beneficent God ruling in nature and in the affairs of men. Take that God out of the universe tonight and man stands absolutely hopeless and a very dark hell may be his portion at any moment. 
You say, Dr. Lakin, do you believe there's any tonight that do not believe in the existence of hell? Not many. But I've met a few little in for hells around over the country. But I never paid them much mind because most of them were so narrow between the eyes of the fleek and set a straddle of the bridge of their nose and kick them in both eyes at the same time and never inconvenience himself in the least. But I sat in the room one day in the hotel room 50 years ago with Charles Evan Smith, the president of the League of Atheism. And I said to him, Mr. Smith, do you believe in theistic evolution? He said, no, sir, I do not believe in a God at all. How should I, I said, how do you account for everything that is? He said, everything that is just happened to be. Like I take the letters, uh, I take, take the letters of the alphabet and cut them to pieces, throw them up in the air, and they just happen to be the 23rd Psalm. Or I take this watch with all of its intricate mechanism and say that back of this intelligent mechanism there was no maker. But it came into being of its own self. Or I'd take this glass tonight and pour out all the water and the germs that's in it. And then I'd cork it up. There's nothing in it and nothing can get it. And from nothing, nothing can come. That's what we'd call a complete vacuum. Nothing in it, nothing can get in it. You see, I don't believe in a complete vacuum. Honey, if you'd followed me over the world for 62 years and looked into the faces of a lot of things I've had to preach to, you would believe in it in this time. Amen. Like the old lady said, I didn't get nothing to take home with me when I came to hear you preach. I said, you didn't bring anything to get it in. That's the trouble. I can furnish the point, but I can't furnish the intelligence to see it with. Then I said, you do not believe in evolution. Listen to what he said. He said, any man who is an evolutionist that stops short of atheism is simply a dishonest thinker. He's simply a dishonest thinker. Then you do not believe, no, he said, I do not believe that I exist, either in mind or soul. I said, I'll admit the mind part of it. I don't know about your soul. I will admit myself, I, I think you're an non-entity when it comes to brains. Let me give you some reasons tonight why no, there is a God. Not why I believe, not why I think, why no. You see, I'm not an educated man. Someone asked me not long ago if I could read Greek. I said, man, I can't hardly read English. <laughs> said, don't you know any Greek or, Inga, uh, Greek or Hebrew? I said, yeah, I know a little Hebrew. He keeps a store. I know a little Greek. He runs a restaurant. I said, and that's all I know about. <laughs> fellow tried to teach me some Greek. And he said, about baptism, baptizo, rantizo. He said, it's grave, he, grave, I, grave, oh. I said, yeah, but just a soft when I was a kid. That's the difference let me say this to you, my friends. Let me say this to you tonight. You say, Dr. Lincoln, how do you know? I know. I stand here tonight and say, I know. I'm as positive that there is a God as I'm positive that I'm standing over this platform tonight. Let me tell you what he said. I said to him, Mr. Smith, do you believe that a theistic evolutionist could be a Christian? Do you believe a theistic evolutionist could be a Christian? He said, absolutely not. I said, why? He said, theistic evolution says that man did not fall, that he climbed down out of the trees and started to walk. He said, if man did not fall, then man doesn't need a savior. Did the monkeys sin? Bring them around. The old man will tend to them. Let me show you something. He said, did the, the, did the monkeys sin? Therefore, when you destroy the Garden of Eden, you have chopped down the need for the cross of Christ. 
I know therefore there is a God because of creation. Life has never been generated from dead matter. There was a time when God was alone in the world. The God was alone in the world. There was nothing but God. By him all things were made. Without him there was nothing made that was made. So therefore there was a time when God was alone in the world. So what, on, what went on back there in the beginning only God knew. Somebody said the Bible says in the beginning God. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says in the beginning God created. Now what went on back there only God knew. Amen. For only God was there. Little boy going to school one morning caught him a big ball-headed bumblebee, put it in a bottle and corked it up and stuck it in his hip pocket and went to school, sat down in the seat and scooped around the bottle. The cork came out in business, picked up in town. And finally he did that and finally he said, sit down, Johnny, what do you... He said, there's something going on back there that you don't know about. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so what went on, what went on back there only God knew about because only God was there. Therefore, from the argument of creation, I believe there is a God. Let me give you another one, my friend. Let me give you another one. And that is this, from the argument of imparted wisdom. We don't call it imparted wisdom. We call it inherited instinct. I got news for you. There's no such thing as instinct. There's no such thing as instinct. Up yonder round before the wind blows down over the Rockies and the lakes and the gulfs begin to freeze up, the geese and the ducks they all get together and form in companies. And old General Gander takes the lead and they lift up and start to fly and they move in a V-shape and the suction pulls them along. And they fly down across Michigan, Ohio and Kentucky and Tennessee and Georgia and North Carolina and South Carolina and Florida and drop into the warm water of the ocean and bathe their breath till spring. And then they turn and come back to the north again. Who told that goose to go south in the winter and come north in the summer? Well, you said, that's instinct. Where'd they get their instinct, old goosey? That's the next thing. Bring them around. I'll look at them. Let me tell you another one. <laughs> Let me tell you another one. These geese have never been down that way before. Not a one. They've never traveled that route before. And yet they fly a straight line and never miss a feeding ground. They never miss a feeding ground. And like an astronaut coming back from outer space, they drop exactly into the ocean at the right place and then turn and go back again. Let me ask you this. Where did they learn their navigation? Where did they learn their navigation? Don't be silly. Let me tell you something today. Out yonder in California, they have a little spider about the size of a shoe button. That little spider raises its young inside an empty clamshell or oyster shell. But before he does that, he lifts it from six to twelve inches from the ground. And for him to do, for that little spider to do that requires an engineering feat that's equal to the building of the pyramids of Egypt. How does he do it? He goes over here and puts on a thread and that's moist. Goes up and puts it on a limb. Comes down here on the other side, hooks on another. That thread's moist. It dries. And when it dries, it contracts. He keeps putting them on. They keep drying and contracting uh, until he lifts it. Where'd he learn to do that? You say, that's instinct. He learned it from his mommy and poppy's spider. Where'd they learn it? They learned it from theirs. Where'd they learn it? They learned it from theirs. Listen then, the first spider that ever did that thing had to sit down and figure it out for himself, didn't he? Yeah, I'll take care of them. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Let me give you another reason why I'm going to hurry through it. Let me give you another reason why I know 
because of fulfilled prophecy. Uh, every, every, every religion of the world has its Bible. But this is the only Bible of all the Bibles that has a word of prophecy in it. What is prophecy? Prophecy is writing history before it happens. And why didn't these other, why didn't these other Bibles have prophecy? Because they had sense enough to know the moment they put a word of prophecy in their book and it failed to be fulfilled, their book would be discredited. But this book with daring boldness tells you what will happen upon this earth a thousand, two thousand, four thousand years in the future to men, cities, and individuals, and nations of, of the earth. It tells you what will happen. I can take the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ alone and prove to any thinking man that there is a God. Any man alone, any thinking man alone. Why? He said he shall be born in Bethlehem. Not only that, there might be several Bethlehems. Bethlehem of Judea. Not in Bethlehem or in Judea, but in Bethlehem of Judea. There, my friends, he makes the thing clear and plain. He said that they would gamble upon his garments, and they did. He said they would sell him for 30 pieces of silver, and they did. He said they would, they would bury him in a, in a new tomb, and they did. They said he would make his death with the wicked, he did, he died between two thieves. And with the rich in his burial, he did, he was buried in a tomb, a new tomb. And then he said, on the third day, he will arise again. And thank God he did. I go down and peep in that little hole I've looked in so many times. And there he was. And I can see him as his eyes begins to open and the skin begins to loosen on his forehead. And then the breath of God sleeps, sleeps through his flesh. And up from the grave he arose. A mighty triumph for his foes. And lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Dangled the key to his girdle and said, I am he that was dead and am alive. And am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. And because I live, you too shall live all. Somebody said I couldn't go to heaven without going to the Catholic Church. Said St. Peter had the keys. I said, let him keep them. I've got the door. Thank God. Yeah, one thing I'm saying. Let me tell you something. Prophecy. Prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. He said he shall be born of a virgin. Shall be born of a virgin. Not like your new Bible said he shall be born of a young woman. She could have been a young woman and not been a virgin, been a virgin and not been a young woman. My niece came home from college one day, and she said, Uncle, the professor at college said that Jesus couldn't have been born of a human mother without a human father, that that was a biological impossibility. I said, well, ring a ding ling. I said, let me hear you. I said, you tell the little possum-headed professor that your uncle said the first man that ever got here got here without either father or mother. Crack that, old smarty. <laughs> you hold, I'll skim. Let me show you something. So if the first man got here without either father or mother, if God wanted to send his son born of a human mother without a human father, God could and did do it. But she said the first man came by the way of evolution. I, I said, ooh, is that so? I said, then where'd the first germ come from? Life has never been generated from dead, dead matter. Where did the first germ come from? She said, the first germ came from another planet on a meteor. 
I said, honey, don't you know a meteor is a blazing ball of fire? How would a germ live? I said, you better get in the house, automobile, run over you and kill you. <laughs> but she said, I think, I think evolution. I, she said, I think that's the simple solution to man's being here. I think that's the most unsensible, uh, unsensible thing I've ever heard of. Amen. All you have to do to be an evolutionist is to throw your gear, your, your, just to stullify your reason and throw your brain out of gear. That's all you've got to do. To believe that story that away back down to sometime, somewhere, somehow, nobody knows when, how, where, why. Nothing turned around and nothing formed to something. The something became a germ. The germ got in the water and the water developed it to do tadpole. And the tadpole swam to another bank and got stuck in the mud and dried there, wriggling around the muddy formed warts on his belly and later they became legs. After developed legs, he became a land animal and climbing through the trees one day, his foot slipped and he just fell. He wrapped his tail around the limb and the jaw of it broke off his tail and he stood up on his hind feet, walked across the street, bought him a suit of clothes and went to teaching in the university and said, thank God I'm a man at last. <laughs> He's getting me some water. He thinks I want to baptize, but I don't. <laughs> thank you very much. No, my friend, listen. The first man that ever got here, how'd he get here? I believe that God created him as he said he did, amen. In the Garden of Eden, I believe he created him as he said he did, a perfect man. Then saw it wasn't good for him to be alone, so he opened it, performed the first surgical operation and opened his side and took out a rib, the cheapest cut. But anyway, he took out the rib. Did you know that Adam is the man that furnished the first pair of parts for the first loudspeaker we ever had. <laughs> Why don't you fellas say amen? I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> they've got you so they've got you so <laughs> so henpecked you roost on the foot of the bed of the night with your head under the arm. Now here's where I'm going to get you again. I, was, I, I had a waitress in Richmond, Virginia, and she was a Ms. And so she put my coffee down and I said, okay, ma'am. She said, I'm not a ma'am. Well, I said, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I said, God created a male and female. He created an Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Let me see. That boy's enjoying it, eh? Let me say you let me say this. God came and preached the first gospel sermon. And he preached it to the devil. And he said, Mr. Devil, I gave you the earth and you weren't satisfied with it, so I took that away from you. Then I made you the prince and the power of the air, and you weren't satisfied with that. Now I created another man and another woman, and you've come now and thwarted my plans again. And you took a woman without a man in it, and you brought the downfall of the race. Did you ever notice what were lost in the fall, the curse upon the earth, thorns and sisters? Curse upon the serpent, upon thy belly shalt thou go. The curse upon the man, by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread. 
The curse upon the woman. In childbearing thy sorrow shall be multiplied, and thy husband shall rule over thee. He said, you took a woman without a man in it, and you brought the downfall of the race, for it was the woman in the transgression. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a woman without a man in it, and I'll redeem the race. For a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child of the Holy Ghost without a man in it. Amen. There it is tonight. There it is tonight. And so I believe, my friend, that Adam, that Adam, that Eve became the first one, and she became the mother of, of Jesus, born of a virgin, born of a virgin without a man in it. I believe in the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me give you another one quickly. Prophecy. Then give, let me give you this one. Did you ever go into a, a, a thing, a restaurant that looked like a post office? Hillbilly, I tried her out. You don't see a cook, you don't see a waiter, you don't see anybody. You drop in a quarter, out comes a cup of coffee, out, drop in some more, out comes a piece of pie, drop in some more, out comes something else. And so I walked up and dropped it in and out it came. And out it came, and I didn't see a soul. But I wasn't big enough fool to believe there wasn't somebody back there passing that stuff out. That's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm saying. Do you know why somebody back there passing it out? Do you know how I know there's a God? I'll tell you why. For 62 and a half years, I've walked up to the open window of heaven, and I've asked for things and had them passed out to me as real as mashed potatoes and gravy. I know there is a God because he answers prayer. Because he answers prayer. Let me show you something, my friend. Let me show you something. Little boy, I, I, got off a, I got off a plane one night in Huntington, West Virginia in a snowstorm. And we rented a car, another guy and myself, and to drive to Detroit. And driving along, I had a little Bible. I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, I'm an atheist. He said, uh, atheist? Yes, I, I'm an atheist. I believe we came from monkeys. I said, I saw your name in the Bible. And I picked up my little testament. No, you never saw my name. I said, here it is. For the fool has said in his heart. <laughs> I said, I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Fool. I never thought I'd ever see you. Man, to say that would be a fool. His, and he said it in his heart, not his head. His head told him best. Little boy down in Georgia shining the man's shoes. The man kept saying, there is no God. I can prove it. There is no God. Finally, the little boy said, Mr. The Bible is saying, that the, that the fool has said in his heart there's no God, but you done blabbed it right out of your big mouth, haven't you? That's the Okay, maybe I better quit. Let me give you another one. Anyway. The second man who stands without any hope is the man who does not accept the Bible as the Word of God. You say, I'm not an atheist. You may not be. You may be a theist. Though, you are a, though you're not an atheist, Yet, my friend, when you disbelieve the Bible, you stand without any hope. Man, by his own reasoning, has never been able to get an adequate, an adequate foundation on which to stand for a reasonable hope in Christ. And the only revelation you'll find of God that gives you that is the revelation that God gives of himself. This is the Bible, the Word of God. Little two by squirt said to me, he said, you believe the Bible is the Word of God? That you believe the miracles? I said, yes. He said, you believe that the whale swallowed Jonah? I said, who said it did? said, the Bible. I said, no, the Bible said God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. That whale, whale had no been swimming in there. He, 
a, a great fish. But he said that Jonah, that the, the fish would have digested Jonah. No, I don't think so. Didn't digest, the nations didn't digest the Jews. They were preserved. So why couldn't they preserve a man? But Jonah, Jonah was vomited out on the dry land. FOB, free on bank. That's the first case of free mail delivery we have on record. And Jonah was going down the street, and he met a man coming with a fishing pole, and he said, Go on down, Brother Jonah, we'll have fish for supper. He said, Pew! No. Three fellows in the Bible got their appetite changed. Jonah never cared for fish after the whale ride. Peter never cared for chicken after the rooster crowed. And the prodigal son never liked pork chops after he got out of the pen. And then he said, do you believe Balaam's ass talked? I said, yes, and when I hear some preacher preaching, I still believe it. He said, do you, how big was the ark? I told him how big the ark was. How high it was, how wide it was, how, and he said, he laughed, he said, now how, you see how ridiculous that is? I said, why? He said, how would the priest ever carry that across the Jordan? And then he said the ark had only one window in it. Oh no, the, the, the Bible says it was open all the way around. That was perfect ventilation. But he said the rain would have blown in. Oh no, the wind didn't blow until the rain ceased. Knowing your Bible will help you a lot, did you know? It'll ruin a lot of your good sermons if you don't watch. <laughs> Second man who stands out, the third man who stands out without any hope, is the man who does not accept, as our brother said tonight, and confess Christ as the Son of God. Fellow said, well, I don't know whether he's the Son of God. I think he was a man because he got hungry. I think it was a man because he went to sleep. I think it was a man. I think it was a man because he died on a cross. I think it was a man because he shed tears. I know it was a man for yonder one night on that boat when he went to sleep and the waves began to wash his boat and the lightnings flashed and the heavens became a plutonian darkness and the disciples ran and shook him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and walked out on the deck of the ship, looked up to the heavens and said, Be still. Then looked down to the waves and ironed the wrinkles out of them and drove them across the sea like a bunch of whip puppies with their tails between their legs until they pillowed their head on a, on a distant shore. And they said, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? If he was a human when he went to sleep, he was God when he stilled the waves. If he was a human when he wept, he was God when he raised Lazarus from the dead. If he was a human when he got hungry, he was God when he took a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 people. If he was a human, my friend, if he was a human when he died, he was declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. I know that he is the Son of God. The man who rejects him, let me give you another, I'm sorry, let me give you another and quick thing. You said in, you say in what sense Brother Lee can have they no hope? They have no hope for the life that now is. And they have no hope for the life that he is to come. And you have no hope of meeting with loved ones who have gone or who may go. The believer loses his friends, but he doesn't sorrow as those who have no hope. Because he told the times fast hurrying on for the Lord Jesus shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel that the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That, my brother, is what I'm waiting for. Let me give you this tonight, will you, my friend? 
Listen tonight. We need to hold high the glory of God as you sang tonight. I love you. I love you. We ought to continue that. What's the center of fellowship? What ought to be the center of fellowship? I'll tell you the center of fellowship ought to be the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the center of fellowship in heaven? What's the center of fellowship in heaven? He said, I looked and yonder they brought a book. And no man in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book and look upon it. And John looked at it and started to weep. And he said, Weep not, John, for behold, the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book and to look upon it. And he said, I looked and I saw one standing in the midst of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he said, they, before they opened the book and looked upon it, and then they began to sing. They began to sing, Glory and honor and majesty and power be given unto him now and evermore. Shall, uh, what is the center of fellowship in heaven? It's the slain Lamb of God. Shall we ever have anything less than that down here? By the grace of God, we'll take the old blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ and waver in the face of every foe. It has never, it shall never, it must never come down until they sing. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.